Welcome to In the Black with your host, Bob Dickerson. Our program takes a look at the socioeconomic issues affecting black America. From education to news and politics to business matters, we have the stories and guests that you need to hear about. Now, here is Bob Dickerson. Hey, this is Bob Dickerson with In the Black on the Voice America Radio Network. Hey, how's everybody today? Coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Glad to be here. Glad to see you out there. Uh, we're having a good time doing this program. And I want to, first of all, just thank my guest from last week, Katrina Norris Carter, who did an excellent job. She is a fantastic woman uh, who has so much energy and so much passion for people. And we're just happy to have had her on the program, shared some really good information. She got me all fired up and, uh, and I think got the other people all fired up. So I am just so happy and so appreciative of her taking her time and being a part of In the Black with Bob Dickerson. And, you know, it's always good when your friends uh, come out and, uh, and you ask them to do something and they say, sure. No thinking about it, no debating no waffling and going back and forth. It was just, will you do it? Yes, I will. And I must say, I really appreciate people who are willing to do that. So, so here we are again, uh, got a lot of stuff happening in the news, got a lot of stuff happening, uh, all around. So those of you know, I am a football fan. As you know, I live in Birmingham. As you know, Birmingham is in the state of Alabama. And as you know, Alabama won a football game, which is something that is not unusual. Because since Nick Saban has been the coach, and even before, Alabama had great teams under Bear Bryant, of course. Alabama had great teams, uh, even going back in the 20s and 30s. I don't remember that, obviously. Uh, Had some pretty good teams uh, under Bill Curry, won some games even under under Dubose and, uh, and, and Mike Shula. But this era of Alabama football is probably the best it's ever been. Can you imagine over this last dozen years, always, always being in the national championship picture? Always. Last year, when they didn't make the playoffs, ever since there has been a playoffs, Alabama had been part of it. Always. Always in the national championship picture, it is unheard of. The run that Alabama is on, and it doesn't seem to be stopping because they they seem to have a tremendous defense. They've got some weapons on offense. And if you want to get me started, get me started talking about Alabama football and get me started talking about football, period. You could have me for a long time. So I'm a football fan. I'm a sports fan. Uh, I was checking out the Lakers the other night. I guess the Lakers in Miami, that's going to be a pretty good series. Um, Pat Riley, who, of course, coached LeBron, got LeBron to come and play for the Heat for a few years when Dwayne Wade was at the end of his career and won, what was it, two rings, went to the championship four times, won two rings there. And now he's got a young team with Jimmy Butler and a cast of almost unknown characters uh, taking on the mighty Lakers. Uh, my team growing up. So let me tell you a story. This is how I got to be a Lakers fan. I'm going to get to some other things, but you get me on sports and you have me. So, um, so as a kid growing up, growing up, everybody in my family was a Celtics fan. Bill Russell was with the Celtics and Casey, uh, Sam Brown and Casey Brown, Havlicek, Bailey Howell, Sack Sanders. I almost know their lineup. And uh, But my favorite player was Wilt the Stilt, Wilt Chamberlain. Uh, Chamberlain at the time, uh, when I was a kid, had moved from the Warriors and come and played for the Philadelphia 76ers. And so I was a Wilt fan, which meant I didn't like Boston. And don't tell my friends and family and one of my best friends, John Taylor, who was on this program, I still don't like Boston. Still, I don't pull for Boston at anything. The Patriots, the Red Sox, the Celtics, I just don't. But anyway, so in my family, I'm the only one who didn't like Boston, and I'm pulling for the Sixers. 
and Boston always won. If you go back and check the record, I think Boston won like nine straight championships, uh, maybe nine out of 11. Bill Russell still has, has more rings, I think, than anybody except maybe Phil Jackson or maybe a tie. But, but, but the point is they traded Wilt to the Lakers. And in trading Wilt to the Lakers, I became a Laker fan uh, right around late 60s, early 70s. So I've been a Laker fan ever since. And I was a Laker fan when Wilt was out there with, um, with Jerry West and um, Gail Goodrich and, uh, and uh, oh, man, I, I should think of the Lakers, Lakers lineup. But anyway, don't get me on sports. I'll talk about sports from, from now. But should be a good matchup between the uh, Lakers and the Miami Heat. I think that's something that TV probably was happy to to have, and of course the tide rolled, and um, and and listen, NBA, NFL, and baseball, all and college football, all at the same time is something we typically didn't see. You know, by now, uh, NBA would certainly be done; they would have been done by June, and uh, baseball would be wrapping up. Of course, baseball is wrapping up, but without baseball really having a season, I don't think they generated as much interest and then to have to go up against football and the playoffs and basketball is kind of push baseball a little bit. I am so hopeful and so prayerful that we won't have to deal with the COVID-19 coronavirus anymore and that our seasons could get back to normal. And I don't necessarily mean the autumn, fall, winter, and spring seasons, but I mean football, baseball, basketball seasons that we can get those back the way uh, they should be. So I hope all of you are staying safe out there. I hope you're taking every precaution to make sure that not only you stay safe for yourself and your family, but for other people. The one thing that we know about a virus is, and this virus in particular, is that it spreads from person to person. Uh, now we, we are always going to be careful and wash our hands and, you know, we're, we're conscious about touching surfaces and all of that. And that is very smart, but primarily it is spread by people coming in contact with other people who have it. Whenever we talk, we emit stuff. Uh, when we talk and louder and more vociferously, then we emit more stuff. And when we sing and scream, we, throw out more stuff. And so when you're with someone, close to someone, wear a mask. Uh, when someone is around you, insist that they wear a mask. Uh, it is so bad. I see people in each other's faces, and, and, and these are folks who don't live together and aren't you know, family members, and we're throwing some caution to the wind. Um, I think if you've listened to my program long enough, you know sort of where I stand politically. So when I see a rally, and at that rally, the only person who is socially distanced is the speaker, and you know what rallies I'm talking about, then that's something that is a bit troubling. Uh, when you see people shoulder to shoulder, and these are people who are cheering and clapping, and and they're, they're, they're not focused on what they may be giving off in terms of something coming out of their mouth. Let's, let's face it. And so be careful. Um, you know, don't take unnecessary chances with this. The good thing, there isn't anything good about 205,000 people dying when the con conventional wisdom says that it could have been a lot fewer than that. As a matter of fact, 80% of those folks might could still be alive had we reacted sooner and differently. And that's on some folks. And I hope that you realize that it could have been different and it should have been different. And our response should have been different. The one good thing that is happening is that people are surviving more now. Folks are getting it and not having to be hospitalized. That's a good thing. Uh, we are working on the vaccine. 
Yes, that's a good thing. And as we work on the vaccine, we've got to make sure that there's a lot of confidence in our community so that people will take the vaccine. So having a vaccine is one thing. Having people have the confidence to take the vaccine is another. And that confidence is shaped by what we hear from our leadership, what we hear from our political leaders, also what we hear from the medical community. Uh, we've got to let science rule. We don't let, need to allow politics, especially election year politics, to get in the way of science. If science says social distance and wear a mask, then all of our politicians that care about people in this country ought to support that. And they ought to, to insist that people in their sphere are socially distanced with masks, meaning they wouldn't be having rallies with people not socially distanced and not wearing masks. And so I just, just want us to be careful about what we're doing. I want us to be conscious about what we're doing. And even though it's not as bad as it was, 205,000 people have died. More will die from the coronavirus. I want you to make sure that number one, you're not one of those folks. I want you to do everything in your power to make sure that you stay well. But beyond that, I want, to you, I want you to make sure that you do everything in your power not to make someone else sick. Those are your two responsibilities. You heard me, Bob D. in the black, give you two things that you have to do. Number one, stay well, stay safe, stay alive, stay healthy. And number two, when you stay well and you stay safe and you stay healthy, and you protect yourself, go ahead and protect other people. Put a mask on. Make sure you socially distance. Wash your hands frequently and just be aware. And don't let some politician, don't let somebody who you don't know, who might not know you from uh, Adam's house cat, don't let someone who is exhibiting poor leadership, uh, who's exhibiting poor habits themselves, or who just doesn't care about what happens to you, influence you to do something that's silly. Hey, we'll be back with more In the Black with Bob Dickerson on the Voice America Radio Network after these messages. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's time to future-proof your business. Join host Bonnie D. Graham for the Kinetic Enterprise, Built to Evolve, presented by Deloitte. SAP Solutions help you transform your business. And we'll start by going in-depth with topics and guests built around the four pillars of the Kinetic Enterprise. Clean, intelligent, inclusive, and responsive. Move in to the next level with the Kinetic Enterprise, presented by Deloitte, live every Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Partner Up with Amy Carroll focuses on getting more of what you want and need more easily and with less difficulty. While this applies to business, it can be used for just about everything, from relationships to leadership. You'll hear stories and tips to uplevel your communication and mindset to gain confidence and inspire action. By making your partner look good, conflicts dissolve and results improve. Partner Up with Amy Carroll is heard live every Friday at 7 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. 
It is possible to have the career you want. Those who know how to manage their careers advance more quickly and have more opportunities. Listen for Career Central with host Lorraine Beeman to discover how to be successful in your current job or move into a new one. Tune in Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to In the Black with Bob Dickerson. If you have a question or a comment about the program, please send an email to Robert B. Dickerson Jr. at gmail.com. That's Robert B. Dickerson Jr. at gmail.com. Now, back to In the Black. Hey, this is Bob Dickerson. We're back on In the Black. A number of people have uh, reached out to me and, you know, we've kind of talked about what I do every day. And obviously, I only do radio a little while, a little bit. Uh, I talked to you about our gospel radio program, the Myriad Gospel Music Countdown that we've been on for about 25 years. And just uh, coincidentally, uh, almost 25 years ago, I started something called the Birmingham Business Resource Center. And uh, we use the acronym, the BBRC, Birmingham Business Resource Center. Now, in starting the resource center, and this wasn't something that I planned to do, I was doing, I had been in banking and I was doing some work uh, with the city of Birmingham around the Community Reinvestment Act and really getting banks engaged and um, involved with city officials and other nonprofit organizations that operated in Birmingham to see if we could use what the banks wanted to do in their, with their CRA dollars to support things that the city was trying to do and that nonprofits in the city were trying to do, like develop affordable housing, uh, like help small businesses grow and develop, do micro lending and that kind of thing. And so I had access to the mayor's office and the mayor himself and other people who were in community and economic development. And I kept telling them, well, you know, you really need an organization that we had organizations that loaned money to fledgling new nascent startup businesses, but that's pretty much all they did was they, they made the capital accessible but there was nothing else that went with it. And so I shared my philosophy with those folks. And my philosophy was then, and still is now, that businesses need three things to succeed. And I don't care the size of the business. Uh, I don't care if it's a startup or one that's been around for hundred years. Businesses need capacity, capital, and customers. And so let me just break that down uh, just a little bit further. Uh, and this is what we do at the Birmingham Business Resource Center. Uh, we help businesses build capacity. We help businesses access capital. And we help businesses get customers. Now, capacity is, is fairly straightforward, and capital is too, but capacity is making sure that there is a good plan in place, making sure that the business owner understands how to grow, how to develop, how to scale, uh, how to operate, that there is the management capacity to be able to, to, to get everything done that needs to be done, to be able to execute things that need to be executed. And in order to help businesses build capacity, we provide what is called in the jargon of our industry, technical assistance, TA. So we are a TA provider for small businesses. We do a lot of coaching, 
we do a lot of counseling. We do a lot of assessment. We teach a lot of classes. We have a lot of workshops and seminars. We're always doing something uh, to help businesses build capacity. Because let's face it, if you're a business owner, you know what you do, but you may not know accounting and you may not know human resources management and you may not know a lot of the things that affect your business. And the more capacity we can give you or the more we can put people and processes and ideas and information around you that help you understand the things that operate on the periphery of your business, the more likely you are to succeed. So, so we're all about helping businesses build capacity by providing them with technical assistance. We're better known for and more well known for the fact that we help businesses access capital, not only through our advocacy and our relationship with financial institutions and other lenders, but we run lending programs ourselves. Uh, we've always been involved in some sort of micro lending and managing micro loan funds where businesses that we have a lot of confidence in that may not be able to walk into a bank or go to another lending organization and get them to say yes. Well, we're in a position to say yes and to help businesses get started or get over a critical period or a trying period. And so access to capital is what we do and what we're best known for. We run what is called a certified development company. And that means we're able to make small business administration loans. We can make the loans that are guaranteed by the SBA. And we can make the loans where we participate with a bank or another lender. And we're the SBA portion of that loan. And so it's, it's easy to see that we are involved in helping businesses access capital on many levels. We refer dozens of companies to lenders uh, that are successful in borrowing money after we've worked with them and helped them through technical assistance and coaching and counseling, build their capacity and improve their credit worthiness. That's something that we've been working on quite a bit, how to help a company improve their credit worthiness, how to get a bank to say yes, as opposed to saying no. But then there are customers, you know, capacity capital customers, the other C. And customers are very important, but oftentimes overlooked by organizations like ours. So when I was in banking, one of my stops in banking was a bank called Citizens Trust Bank. It's Citizens Trust Bank now. It was Citizens Federal Savings Bank when I went to work for them in 1984. Citizens Federal had been started by the iconic A.G. Gaston. You've heard me talk about A.G. Gaston in the past. Uh, he is a person that I really owe a lot to. He hired me in 1984. Uh, my career took off after working for his bank. Uh, he was named Entrepreneur of the Century, the 20th Century by Black Enterprise Magazine. He was born the grandson of slaves in Demopolis, Alabama. Uh, his mother was a domestic. He had probably a better chance of being lynched in Alabama than he had of becoming a multimillionaire, which he did. And so I worked for A.G. Gaston's bank, and the president of the bank was a man by the name of Lewis Willie, Lou Willie. And in Lou's office, and I would have to go to Lou's office quite often, uh, to ask him to sign with me on loans or we talk about business. A sign on Lou's wall said this, and it's something I've never forgotten. I can see the sign so vividly. The sign said, nothing happens until somebody sells something. Nothing happens until somebody sells something. And that has stuck with me throughout my, the rest of my banking career and my career in running this nonprofit organization, that it is very important that we help businesses sell. It is critical that businesses sell. Any business, no matter the size, no matter the age, no matter the industry, 
must sell to survive. Failing to sell means that your business is going to fail. Failing to sell means business failure as well. And so to help companies that have received this technical assistance and have their capacity, you know, where it needs to be, we work with them to make sure that they are credit worthy. And so they have the access to the loans and capital that they need in order to grow. The other leg, the third leg to that stool is helping them to get customers. And so those are the things that we're doing at the Birmingham Business Resource Center. We know that, you know, one of the, the keys to successful businesses is having all the proper resources in place. And so our training programs, the financial assistance, uh, you can find it on our website. It's mybbrc.biz. You know, we want to help you. And even though we're in Birmingham, Alabama, we have a network of folks, and I think our influence can go, you know, nationally. And so we want to provide everyone with everything that they need in order to succeed in business. And we don't care who you are or what you look like and what situation you're in. We try to, and basically we've been able to throughout our, our time as an organization, have something for everybody, have a little something for everybody. We're working with companies that are doing business with our local water utility to try to make sure that they have improved credit worthiness so that they can take on bigger projects and maybe grow from, from being subcontractors to prime contractors. Uh, we have uh, the World Games is coming to Alabama in 2022. It was supposed to be 2021, but the Olympics got put back. So in 2022, we have the World Games coming here. And so we're helping to make sure that there is significant and increased minority participation by businesses in the World Games. So the one-on-one -on -one counseling, our workshops on, on relevant topics, uh, pre-loan qualification, access to capital, uh, access and encouragement through supplier diversity programs, SBA 504 loans, SBA Community Advantage loans, other micro loans. That's what we're doing at the Birmingham Business Resource Center. Check us out, mybbrc.biz. And of course, you can get me uh, at B. Dickerson Jr. on Twitter, Bob Dickerson on Facebook. We'll be back with more of In the Black on the Voice America Radio Network right after these messages. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's time to future-proof your business. Join host Bonnie D. Graham for the Kinetic Enterprise, built to evolve. Presented by Deloitte, SAP solutions help you transform your business. And we'll start by going in-depth with topics and guests built around the four pillars of the Kinetic Enterprise. Clean, intelligent, inclusive, and responsive. Move in to the next level with the Kinetic Enterprise, presented by Deloitte, live every Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Partner Up with Amy Carroll focuses on getting more of what you want and need more easily and with less difficulty. While this applies to business, it can be used for just about everything, from relationships to leadership. You'll hear stories and tips to uplevel your communication and mindset to gain confidence and inspire action. By making your partner look good, conflicts dissolve and results improve. Partner Up with Amy Carroll is heard live every Friday at 7 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. 
It is possible to have the career you want. Those who know how to manage their careers advance more quickly and have more opportunities. Listen for Career Central with host Lorraine Beeman to discover how to be successful in your current job or move into a new one. Tune in Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to In the Black with Bob Dickerson. If you have a question or a comment about the program, please send an email to Robert B. Dickerson Jr. at gmail.com. That's Robert B. Dickerson Jr. at gmail.com. Now, back to In the Black. Hey, this is Bob Dickerson on the Voice America Radio Network. We're back. And uh, you've heard me talk about the racial wealth gap for any number of shows. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure we've ever had a show on this program, or I've had many conversations that uh, that topic or those words didn't come up. And, and something happened a few days ago, and it wasn't the first time that this has happened, but uh, City. Citibank uh, committed to to provide a billion dollars in strategic initiatives to help close the racial wealth gap and increase economic mobility. And uh, and and so just Bank of America did the same thing. Oh, back uh, I guess in June. So they did a billion dollars essentially uh, to to do that. They actually have an initial that says it was going to close the racial wealth gap. And so I really want to commend these two institutions for doing that. Um, I think it's important that major, major stakeholders in our country understand that, A, they have some power to help close the gap, to understand, B, that they have some responsibility to help close the gap. But that C, and I, I really appreciate what CEO, city CEO uh, Michael Corbett said. Basically, what he indicated was that racism in America, uh, inequality in America, uh, this fact that America doesn't and hasn't treated its black people right and its brown people right has cost us all. So it's, it was it closing this 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 commitment of the billion dollars and the billion and all the money in the world. We all know that. But this commitment of a billion dollars, along with other commitments from other institutions, can help to fix a problem for everybody. Now, I've always contended, and I've been trying to sell this and have sold it to some degree right here in my community, that we needed to have a more conscientious and stronger and more powerful effort toward growing black business revenue. And, uh, and, and if you go on my website, I, I wrote an article for the Comeback Town, or you can Google Comeback, C-O-M-E-B-A-C-K, Comeback Town, slash Bob Dickerson, and you'll see an article I wrote in there a, couple, a year or so ago, two years ago almost now, that said that if we galvanize behind an effort to grow black business revenue, it would create the rising tide that will lift all boats. And I'm just so happy that uh, the CEO of, of City sort of echoed those remarks that uh, – had we been investing in, in, in fairer wages, more job creation, 
housing and education, we wouldn't have as big a gap as we have now. Uh, and so in, in his estimation, and I certainly don't doubt him, that if we close those gaps today, then $5 trillion could be added to the U.S. economy in the next five years. And so if we add $5 trillion to our economy, or if we were to add, say, in uh, Birmingham, Alabama, another billion dollars or two in the economy, then everybody's going to benefit. The beneficiaries are not just the black and brown people, not just the black business owners, but they would be beneficiaries, but everybody would benefit. Let me try to, let me try to draw that out if I can on the radio. We increase black business revenue, then more black folks go to work. And not only do they go to work, but they have a better job with better pay. And so with that better job and better pay, they become better consumers. So who sell cars? Who manufactures cars? Who manufactures refrigerators? Um, who are the biggest grocery store chains? Who are farmers? What do they look like for the most part? And so the entire economy would benefit if we can work to close the racial wealth gap. It's in our enlightened best interest to do that. In our enlightened best interest. Now, when I say that it's in our enlightened best interest, then I have to make an assumption that we are enlightened in the first place that we actually are not so crippled by racial attitudes and racism that we are still in some dark place and we want to hold somebody down. Now, you know, we've all heard that, that, that adage that if you want to keep somebody in a ditch, then you got to be in a ditch with them. And so if you're worried about somebody getting out of a hole, uh, and you don't want to stay in the hole, then get out the hole yourself and let them out the hole and let us all participate in this economic system. As a matter of fact, black people helped build it, you know, with 250 plus years of free labor and then another 150 of, of basically unfair practices. I was reading the other day about peonage, peonage. So, so you know what peonage is, right? That's when right after slavery, uh, then if you were black, you stood a chance of getting arrested so you could be put on a work gang. So you could be put to work at a factory or farm to pay off your penalty or your debt to society. Well, you still didn't get paid because you were a prisoner. You still didn't get paid. Who leased you that convict leasing that the, the, Lessor got the money, got the money. So it was another form of slavery. Look it up. And I may talk about it more, you know, on another show. But what we have to do in America is we have to combat the impact of racism. We've got to combat the impact of racism. Racism has taken a toll on our country and we have to fight it. We have to fight back. We have to understand that it's not healthy for any of us to be racist, but also it's not healthy for our economy to allow racism to exist and to allow black and brown people who are quickly becoming the majority of the American citizens not to own their fair share, not to earn their fair share, which means if you don't own your fair share or earn your fair share, you can't spend your fair share. And it's just, it just makes sense. So I want to, first of all, and once again, talk about, you know, city's commitment, uh, the comments that, uh, that the CEO made, understanding that racism not only costs black people but it costs us all. And so, you know, they're going to do 550 million to support home ownership. And, you know, they're going to 
increased procurement opportunities for 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 black owned businesses and suppliers uh they're going to invest in in impact funds you know these are really impact funds uh so that we can get capital to entrepreneurs we're going to be really trying to see how the Birmingham Business Resource Center and our Age Gas and Business Institute can play a role in that uh they're going to put 100 million dollars in uh minority owned banks black owned banks I think that's a great thing. And then their foundation is going to give away another 100 100 million dollars uh to change agents, people are who are out here making a difference uh and and making a difference to address racial inequity. So so really my my head is off to to city for doing that. Uh I I would be remiss if I said that they weren't the only one again. Uh, Bank of America made that commitment back in June uh pretty much looking at some of the same areas focusing on health and job and job and job training uh for people support for businesses and and for housing and so all of these are important but the most important thing is understanding that race racism cost us Racism benefits no one. Racism does not benefit the racist. Racism economically depresses our country and its economy. And if we want to become the America that we sing about, you know, in our songs and we wrote about in our press clippings, in our press releases that we branded ourselves as the land of opportunity then we're going to have to become that uh we've got a lot to overcome things have not been fair that unfairness has cost us all so we got to do something about it my hats off to the corporate leaders who understand that we've got some stuff to fix and that if we don't fix it we're all and I mean all going to pay a price. So, let's close the racial wealth gap. Let's make make sure that we create a more just economy. Uh so that people who work benefit from the fruits of their labor. And that's just not black folks, that's everybody. fair wages uh equitable wages help people start businesses and grow employment all of those things are important and uh all of those things are the things that we should be doing as a community we'll be back more with more in the black with bob dickerson after these messages hey this is bob dickerson within the black well it started to hit the fan uh when the new york times published information and got a hold of the tax returns oh my the tax returns are out there and trust me it does not look good it does not look good you know it's amazing number 1 that in this day and age when most elected officials uh before they get elected disclose their tax returns now they there are several different financial disclosures that elected officials are bound uh by election law to provide uh tax returns doesn't quite rise to that but it's been a practice i guess for now what 40 years that all the presidents and presidential candidates actually do that. Uh what that proves is that a they have nothing to hide. B that they have been fair. They have been fair and honest in their financial dealings. That's what it that's that's what it proves. I mean it doesn't you know, doesn't prove anything more than that. But it does prove that. And so boy, here we are. uh we're in a situation where 
the current president wouldn't show his, but somebody got him now. And then just a few things that jumped out that you could pay your daughter $700,000 plus and take that off your taxes. That jumps out that your tax bill for was it 16 and 17, $750 and you are a purported billionaire. So at least a multi multi millionaire purported billionaire, multi multi millionaire, $750. And so I want to know how many of you out there pay more than $750 in taxes. I certainly did. And I'm nowhere near a multi, multi, anything air. So doesn't it make you mad? I mean, doesn't that, doesn't that make you mad? Even if you like this president, doesn't it make you mad? Doesn't it concern you that you have someone who is paying or taking a deduction for hair care at $70,000 for hair care. I've seen his hair. If he paid that much, he should get a refund. For hair care, $70,000. You know, taxes go into the system and taxes pay for a lot of stuff. And we're in a situation now where the more wealthy you are, the fewer taxes you're trying to pay. Now, I get that, you know, people spend money. And so there are several types of tax. There's tax that you pay when you make a transaction. And, you know, there are taxes that you pay associated with payroll if you're in business. Uh, But at the end of the day, the American economy lives off of these taxes. And when someone who is very wealthy finds loopholes and ways just not to pay the taxes, then it's something that we should be concerned about. Now, we all heard on the debate, I think it may have been the first debate with Hillary Clinton, when she mentioned the fact that Trump hadn't paid any taxes, that he found every loophole there was to take and that some of his loopholes may actually have been taken in error. We'll be nice and say that. His comment was, that makes me smart. And so I want to say to you, does it make you feel good that your leader doesn't pay his taxes? Does it make you feel good that your leader refuses to disclose his true financial picture? Does it make you feel good that your leader pays almost a million dollars, three quarters of a million dollars to a family member and deducts it from his taxes? Now, I'd love to see what she did with it on her taxes, but that's another story. So does it make you feel good when your leader stands up and lies in your face? When you know it's a lie, when it's an absolute lie in your face? or when he makes up things that he can't support and says, we've done a great job with the virus. Really? (laughs) We've done a great job with the virus. You know, when he says that, oh, I got a healthcare plan. We're going to roll it out next week. If you ask him next week, it's going to be next week. You ask him two months from now, oh, it's going to be next week. It's a great plan. It's going to be better. We're going to kick everybody off the plan they're on now, but just trust me. Does that make you, make you feel real good? Does it, does it make you feel good when of all the people 
in the world, you refuse to criticize Putin, a notorious dictator who's having folks poisoned and who everybody knows is trying to hijack the American election again. Does that make you feel good? Does it make you feel good to support somebody who says that neo-Nazis and white supremacists and folks want to run around with swastikas and Confederate flags and, and, and shouting Jews will not replace us? Does it make you feel good that he thinks that some of those are really good people? I mean, does it make you feel good that the leader says that countries that um, are in Africa or in the Caribbean are shitholes. That's what he said, and I repeated it. That's what he said. So, I mean, come on. The billionaire who has his tax returns. <laughs> the genius who has his college grades. What do you do? He told Michael Cohen to make sure that his transcript couldn't get seen. The billionaire who has his tax returns, the genius who has his college grades, the businessman who bankrupted three casinos and lost over a billion dollars in 10 years. That's, yeah. The playboy who pays for sex. That's right, Stormy. What's the other woman's name? Yeah, the playboy. I guess he, he knows more than Dr. Fauci, so that means he's a virologist now. He's supposed to be the leader of the free world, and he says he fell in love with Kim Jong-un. Fell in love with him. Oh, he writes me love letters. Come on now. What is that? <laughs> what is that? So anyway, um, the Christian who doesn't go to church He stands by when Russia takes out bounties on our soldiers. He's already got caught defrauding his charities. It's a patriot, right? Dodged the draft five times. But now we saw his taxes. And they are not a pretty sight for him. Listen, it's time to vote. And I don't care what political party you affiliate with or identify with, you need to vote for this country because four more years of this will be in worse shape than we're in now. Hey, have a great week. This is Bob Dickerson within the Black. Thank you for tuning in. Please join host Bob Dickerson for another edition of In the Black next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a terrific week.